Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Spring fans, welcome to another installment of a beautiful podcast. How are you this amazing 20th of July, 2023? Can you believe we're already staring down August of 2023? And I'm super excited about it. I'm in Asia right now. Tonight, I'll be speaking at the... uh, uh, Kuala Lumpur uh, Java User Group, and then uh, in, uh, I think it's like the first or second or something like that, very soon, in early August, I'll be in uh, Tokyo, I'll be speaking at the Java User Group there, don't miss it, just check your local Java User Group there for Tokyo, uh, sure to be a lot of fun, I'm excited about that, um, but but the thing I'm really most excited th- about, the thing I'm uh, most looking forward to is Spring 1, the big, the amazing, the momentous, the epic Spring 1 event uh, in uh, in Las Vegas. Have you registered? Have you booked your tickets yet? It's going to be super, super fun. It'll be our first in-person show uh, since the pandemic, uh, concurrent with uh, VMware Explorer. So it's going to be an amazing, amazing show. Do not miss it. We'll all be there. Um, I can't wait to see you. Can't wait to like to bring some spring and hang out and it'll, just, it'll be fun. That's the whole reason we do this. Is It's the reason I do it, right? Is um, uh, because I want to be able to see my teammates. I want to see all the people on the spring team. I'm just like you. I, I'm a big fan, right? So, uh, well, yeah, just join me. We'll 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 see if we, treat them. I, I like to treat the uh, spring team like Pokemon. You know, I, I want to get photos uh, with all of them. You know, um, because they're they're amazing. Um, so that's gonna be fun. That'll be spring one in Las Vegas. Don't miss it next uh, month. Book your tickets now. Vegas is. <sighs> Well, it's not the best city in the world, but it's a lot of fun. You know what I'm saying? It's like a theme park. You don't go there looking for a great city. You go there looking for a lot of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, it's fun. It's a, there's a, a million things to do uh, once the show has finished for the day. You know, you'll, you'll have a few days uh, of shows, but then in the evenings, you know, trust me, you'll, you'll never be bored. There's no reason to be bored in Las Vegas. So my friends, looking forward to that. Register for that. One of the um, One of the nice things about my life, of course, is uh, I, I, I get to meet all these amazing people, you know, I get to meet amazing people from all around the world and to learn about what they're doing and all the cool stuff they're doing with these different technologies. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I, I'm just really grateful for that, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping you'll share that adventure with me, uh, at spring one. Uh, my friend, we are, I've been talking to so many different organizations the last two months, month and a half, whatever I've been in Asia. I've talked to, uh, I don't know, probably 50 different organizations in the last uh, month and some change and uh, it's just been a roller coaster I mean all these amazing organizations um, using spring uh, and you know they're they're trying to move up as as we all are right there there are a lot of organizations that are stuck on Java 8 and I, I I can't tell you how sad it makes me to see that because of course Java 8 is done and dusted it's long since been made uh, obsolete by you know we're at Java 21 almost right so there's there's literally been uh, almost three times as many more Java since then. Uh, uh, well, you know, in total, uh, you know, as as there was Java eight, right? I mean, Java eight is important uh, in the same way that Java five and Java one are, but you don't see people clinging on to Java five and Java one anymore. And uh, I just really, I think people are struggling with this, you know. And uh, it's uh, you know, Spring Boot goes out of uh, support end of this year as well. So like, uh, you know, just get up there, get upgraded. You got to do it. You got to, got to move forward. We can't cling to Java eight forever. It's a, uh, it's a bad idea. Um, 
I mean, look, don't get me wrong, right? Obviously, we have the VMware Spring runtime and all that. So if you really want to stay in support on these older versions of Spring and, and all that, you can pay us money and we'll, that, that's a thing. But I don't, come on, don't do that. Just upgrade. It's, it's just, you got to do it anyway, right? It's better for morale if you're on the right version of Java and you're not worrying about security vulnerabilities and all that stuff too. So just, um, uh, you know, come on, join me. Join me in the Java 20 pool. It's amazing. Actually, and again, I'm, I'm, I've been telling everybody, I'm, I'm like, look, I love Java 17. That's where I, that's my current long-term supported version of Java. But Java 21 is where it's at, right? That's Project Loom. That gives you uh, scale, unvaunted, uh, reactive-like scale without having to make any concessions, save for a few quick changes to the uh, executor thread pool, right, that you're using in your various uh, parts of the stack. And of course, Spring Boot 3.2, due later this year, just after uh, Java 21 drops in September, will have support for uh, Loom. We'll be able to integrate it for you if you have it on the class path. Um, we can we can tie that in for you. So all this stuff is, you know, it's just, it's a really amazing time to be a Java developer. Just imagine writing, writing imagine writing code uh, using Spring, compiling it with GraalVM to native images, taking advantage of Loom to get unvaunted scale. Uh, you know, again, applications that starts up in tens of uh, milliseconds and that take tens of megabytes of RAM and that uh, handle thousands and thousands of requests per second without having to change anything, right? All you got to do is upgrade. If you hate money, stay where you are. But if you like earning value from your services, if you like being able to save, uh, cut on costs and get better uh, availability, uh, for for nothing, literally, you get money for doing it. Uh, then you should be upgrading. You should be upgrading. It's a. I'm not saying it's going to be completely hassle free. If you move to Spring Boot three, you got to you know, got to do a find and replace on all all your uh, Java EE types as they are. They're now in a new package. You have to change a few things for Spring Security and um, Spring Cloud, and uh, there's a, you have to change an annotation and the builders for Spring Batch. Uh, it's it's definitely a, an hour or two on a uh, a real application before you're done. With the migration but even there you know don't don't let that put you off there are tools there's like open rewrite you can use that there are uh, recipes that you can use to migrate your code automatically um yeah come on well, let's get this done let's get to the next version because it's too exciting a time right now if i go around the world next year 2024 and i find everybody's still using java 8 when java 21 and spring boot 3.2 are already out there i'm gonna be super bummed let's let's just Let's go forward, my friends. Um, and uh, and with that in mind, today we're gonna go forward. We're gonna we have a great great episode today. Uh, we've got Simon Martinelli, who's a uh, just a amazingly prolific, wonderful voice in the community. You'll you'll have seen his stuff around uh, Vaden and Java OQ and uh, all sorts of cool stuff. He's just out there in the community. Um, he, I think he also runs, or at least is a big part of a the uh, Swiss user group, the Java user group there as well. So just an amazing uh, figure. And we got a chance to catch up uh, in beautiful Barcelona, Spain, where we were both at for the big uh, spring IO event uh, in May of this year. Uh, it was a great episode from with a great person. So I enjoyed it. I certainly hope you do as well. And uh, my friends, as always, I'll see you next week. Okay, next week. It'll be great. It's gonna be great. See you there. Cameras okay. Hi everybody, we made it. We're back. Uh, Simon, hi, joining us. everybody. It's the two Simon, Simon, meet Simon, 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 yep. Simon, Simon and Simon. Yeah. You know the show. The old show from the eight is Simon and Simon. 
There's a show from the 80s called Simon Simon. Yes. What's it about? Is it about it you and about, Simon? No, it was about uh, two detectives, Simon Simon. <laughs> so it, it was the last name Simon, not the first oh, name. Oh, the, okay. And they were in California. Okay. And they had uh, cases and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that the, it's so beautiful outside, but we can't see. Okay, there we yeah. go. There you go. Um, whew. How are you enjoying the show? We're, in, we're For people who are just joining, I again, I've been spamming my YouTube channel. This is going on in my little YouTube channel and you know, it's a small but modest but very sweet little community we've got going here. And uh, most of the time I do a daily live stream. For the last week and a half, I've been traveling, so I've done very few live streams. But yesterday I did six. Here we are on the second one for today already. Oh. You know, it's uh, so my poor audience, they're probably very annoyed with me. You know, wait, 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 wait. I'm very sure. glad you're here. Yeah, it's the only thing that makes this worth it is that I get good people uh, to, to uh, spam the audience with. Can you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Simon. I'm uh, from Switzerland and I work as a freelance consultant for 14 years now. So that's the half time I'm yeah. in software development. I started in 1997 wow. on Cobalt mainframe. So yeah. very old stuff there these days. And I moved to Java like uh, year 2000. Nice. About oh, so the... you missed out on the whole Y2K employment? Yes. Yes. Oh, Did, uh, are you from the, I can, I can guess from your accent, but you know, I speak Swiss German. Usually, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my accent is terrible, so my son always um, does a joke that my accent is in every language. So I can speak <laughs> French, Italian, and uh, English, but my accent always sounds like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you don't have a native like sound? No, the native sound is uh, Swiss German. You know? Okay. Yeah. So that's why it, uh, the oh, pronunciation so. is quite different than from compared half Dutch. Right. Yeah. yeah, amazing. Okay, well, so you're, so you joined the Java community 23 years ago. Yeah, so exactly. Just, just recently, just yeah. really just getting started. You're a, uh, I mean, I, I've known you for years because you're just doing really cool stuff with. Uh, is it fair to say you do like data access a lot? Maybe Vaden, maybe I just I see you do really kind of interesting stuff with yeah. individual technologies, usually with the intersection of Spring. I, I usually do full stack development. Mm -hmm. And uh, also when I started, we used Swing, AWT, later on Eclipse, RCP, mm -hmm. SWT, and then uh, JSF. And SWT. Oh. Wicked and uh, all, all the frameworks. Wicked? Yeah. I love Wicked. I, I, I was a, don't hate me, but I love Tapestry first. Yep. And then Wicked came out. It's like, mm, that's just Tapestry with some extra session state, but it is really nice. Yeah. It really, you know, uh, it eventually won me over. It took yeah. a minute. I, I was a fan. Anybody here remember Wicket or any other server-side compo component-oriented frameworks? Yeah. Like uh, we had Apache Tapestry, yeah. Wicket 1 and 2, Echo, Echo 1 and 2, um, JSF. Uh, uh, Point with JSF, it was not too bad because it has great ID support. It was better than Wicket. So you really had to manage bean and then you had con completion in Eclipse or NetBeans, for example, that worked very quite well. I suppose I don't I would never call JSF better than No, than I don't anything. say it's better, but the support was oh, okay. for, for that's uh, true. For the Actually, so you're framework. so you are not a beginning dev. No. Would you qualify would you say yourself at least intermediate, maybe even high advanced? Yeah, I would. I would say. I'd say you're more advanced, right? So, okay, we have a question. First question from the audience. Um, where do you, what do you suggest to a beginner? Yeah, it depends. It depends what kind of application you want to build. Let's suppose we want to build backend technologies or oh, it, but actually Java. You're Java. getting started in Java. Getting started with Java is 
Not so hard. I mean, you have to learn the object-oriented basics that you know what the class is or an interface or stuff mm -hmm. like that. But uh, if you look at Spring Boot, you can relatively fast build new applications because it has a lot of convenience. You don't have to do a lot to spin up like a web container if you want to build right. a small oh, yeah. REST controller, for example, just to play around with, with everything. I love Spring Boot, but let's say that we're not there yet. Let's say we're a beginner, right? Um, you're just getting started with Java, yeah. right? Because I, I, I always think about this, like we had this weird period for a long time where we deployed things to an application server. And so in university, we're taught Java, we're taught to public static void main, maybe taught unit tests. Yep. Then we had this thing where we deployed to the application server. So we have got a Java program that's eating up our, our Java program and then running it. Yep. And there's no connection to public static void yep. main anymore. It felt very disconnected. Yeah, no, and and, I would, would suggest what I did always, I have, I, I'm talking about uh, a small tool that I've built. I'm in a sports club. And we do track and field events, so yeah. we are running and jumping and stuff. And we have kids that come to the event. And uh, like in 1997, I was helping them to uh, calculate the results. And we have lists, and it was right. terrible. We were 10 people to do such an event. We had around 100 children there. Wow. And then I decided we can do that with software. Yeah. And uh, in 1997, I was still a COBOL programmer. Yeah. So I learned some different basic, for example. I was then using Visual Basic, for mm -hmm. example, to build that. Later on, I moved that to Java. Mm -hmm. So my suggestion is for beginners, think about the business case or a small tool that you like to build for you, yeah. for your friends, for your club, whatever. And then you can easily learn the application because it's easy. You know what you want to do. You know the domain. And so you know therefore, the you're not struggling with that. You're struggling exactly. with with the implementation. implementation implementation and the first thing that looks like a valid result is now the implementation exactly and so you because you, you're not questioning whether the goal and the tech to get to that goal yeah. are secondary and yeah. i created the same application with the first was access no it was excel then mm -hmm. access then eclipse rcp with mm -hmm. an object-oriented data was it a to-do list sorry was it a to-do to list no it was a, a um, track and field result, so thing. Okay, capturing yeah. thing, yeah. Uh, great advice. See, that's yeah. a good point. Find something that about which you can have ideas. Uh, you know, I built the to-do list. Yeah. Not to-do. I built, uh, well, it's kind of like a to-do list, yeah. yeah. And actually, I, I don't know. I think a lot of developers, what was your first interaction with the program? Was there any visual aspect to it? So the first time I was programming, by the way, was in 1988. As my daughter would say, late 20th century. Yeah. <laughs> Just to make and, me feel horrible. And there we are, at school, we had basic. Yeah. And uh, we played volleyball. Mm -hmm. And there was an existing application for the volleyball tournament. And I had to do some changes. Right. At that. It, that, that was horrible because I didn't understand the code fully, but at least I could do some changes. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Um, okay. So I. The, the, so it seems like you had a, a thing that gave you a result pretty quickly. S rapid cycle time, super viable, especially when you're new. Having this like holding faith that you'll be rewarded if you just keep going down the path. That doesn't work for new developers. Yep, exactly. They're going to get frustrated and just wander away. And the worst result is they think they're not good enough. Yeah. It that almost dissuaded me. Right. I, I had Spring not come along, I would have been a .NET developer because at the time I was looking at EJBs, uh, you know, one and two. It was just, it was just arcane. I, I figured it out. I got EJB Docklet and Ant. I got the, just the right build that I could 
if the moon was in if there if Mercury was in retrograde, I could correctly build a thing that would deploy deploy like one method. Yeah. And it took half an hour, you know, to get a thing I could talk to from a client. You know, it's just oh yeah. you know, insane. Um by the way, I because I had the chance to start with COBOL, mm -hmm. it was much easier, I think, because COBOL is a very simple language. Yeah. So you don't have a lot of concept to just no have, abstraction. No abstraction, nothing, yeah. you just do that. And uh, using a database from COBOL was also relatively simple these mm -hmm. days. And so when I moved to Java, I just had to learn the new concepts. Right. But programming already worked. I could access a database in a different manner. Oh, so you knew that you knew the things you would want to do with Java. You yeah. just didn't know the how to do it syntax and exactly. the, the yeah. guys. Yeah. But you knew conceptually what you're yeah. after. That's a good point too. If you're learning uh, to program, start small. Actually, I, that's you know what I'm going to go back to Spring Boot now. Spring that io forward slash guides. These are small, singly focused, use case focused, uh, little little introductions to, like, I want to write to a SQL database. Yeah. Here's just one little program that does that. Yeah. I want to talk to Neo4j. I want to use RabbitMQ. I want to do a form. I want to mm. do OAuth. I want to do whatever, you know? You know, I use these tutorials in school. So I'm a teacher at the yeah. university in Switzerland. Wow. I'm teaching uh, so architectural calling... design. I should call you Professor Martinelli because I can. I will. Happen. Yeah, you should. Are you PhD? No, well? no, oh, no. I would add you to my list of favorite doctors. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not. And uh, there we also do like we have RabbitMQ, for example. We do Spring Boot yeah. usually, and uh, usually we tell the students that they can go to the tutorials, yeah. and uh, they will find everything that they need to start with. I love Spring. I do. But one thing that we often hear, and it's a fair criticism, nothing. It's a criticism about which we can do very little, I think, but it's still a criticism, which is it's big. There's a lot it's of moving huge. parts. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. And the problem is, I mean, in, I know, I think Spring is 20 years old now. 20 years old. We're celebrating that here at Spring IO in beautiful Barcelona, Spain. And I remember I started with Spring version 1.2.6, right. I think. And uh, I know all like the the various features that were added. Yeah, yeah. But for a beginner, often it's oh, difficult it's because world. there are a lot of concepts mm -hmm. and it's hard to find out what's the correct way currently to do things. So if you look at old tutorials or you find old code, maybe stuff is not done like it would be done now. Well, this is why I think it's very viable to start in terms of what you want to do instead of how Spring does mm -hmm. it. Exactly. Right? Like what you just said, start with a program for which you have a, an idea and so the guides are also very good in say, if your goal, if the thing you want to do is write something to a database with SQL, then there's a guide on that. Yeah. Okay. And then do, if you want to then add a web layer, yeah. there's another guide in that. And those code, those code bases can live together. It's still spring after all. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can have a web app that's talking to a database and it's, you know, great yeah. layering. But, but if you just look at the spring framework documentation, yeah. you know, 1500 pages or whatever it is, it's ridiculous, yeah. right? Like, and there are some very difficult parts like spring security oh it's quite hard quite well i mean securities are that's the other thing is that's promised that security not spring security probably right well, but, but that's a great point which is that the domains that spring tries to serve by definition like you said you need to know what a database is before you can appreciate spring's approach to connecting yeah. to a database right you need to understand why it does what it does why it's there and same thing for security same thing for messaging same thing for um you know web design or html even http like learning HTTP and then learning what REST is as a exactly. constraint on that is a whole path, you know? Yeah. So it's very hard to like yeah. go. Um, uh, yeah. So, okay. So I guess, so Simon, the other Simon, you're a good, you, you made a lot of great points, but the other Simon also makes a good point, which is 
I think starting with Spring Framework gives some insights on what Spring Boot does automatically for you. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Very good point. Maybe if you spend a little bit, not too long, trust me, you don't want to spend too long there. there that way lays dragons. But if you spend some time with your basic application context, your basic bean factory, bean definitions. Yeah, uh, it's always important to know what's going on on the cloud. Right. But even there, you have to appreciate that Spring is about wiring up objects and you need to know why wiring up objects is useful and the bit of indirection there. So having an idea of inversion of control and uh, you know constructor injection and these kinds of design architecture constraints and discussions, that's a very useful thing yeah. too. Really. Um, okay, so how do you, do you, you, you teach people Spring or Spring Boot? Or both? Spring Boot. Okay. Also, I, I teach them where Spring's coming from. Mm -hmm. So we have like, it's a continuous education mm -hmm. and we have like a course where they teach where we teach uh, backend development spring boot i wish i could take it and we start with architecture and design so that's one of my parts and i also compare frameworks where it's uh, java coming from right where spring coming from right with quarkus yeah. what about native stuff mm -hmm. and so on yeah and then we start with uh, with persistence layer mm -hmm. so we do jpa in the course um, with Spring Data, yeah, and uh, then we have REST APIs, we have services, we have configuration, and uh, finally they build uh, a small project. They do a bookstore right. during the course, and they uh, try to bookstore is great, yeah, great. because we we access uh, the Google API to get the books. Oh, nice. Before we used Amazon to get the books, right. But uh, this API is no longer open, oh, so you you have to register for if you want to use that, and uh, so it doesn't work. No, longer. I just want no auth. Yeah. Um, I thought you would have said you're going to use Java OQ. Why, using JPA is that just because it's more, more widely used? Or yeah, that's the point. Okay. Yeah, the point is, uh, and I was in a, in a talk from Oliver Tropom before. Yeah. The the wonderful Oliver, and if you do like uh, DDD style development, so you have a lot of business logic, and you want to do DDD. And then you have a rich domain model mm -hmm. with uh, aggregated root and stuff. Yep. Then maybe JPA is the better fit because you want to work on objects, not right. on the database. Right. But uh, if you have like uh, in DDD is called a supporting domain, right? And you have like a customer management system, and this is more or less crude. So create, read, and update data. You may not need. It's aggregate right. routes. You can directly write, or more or less directly write to the database, get right. the data, display it uh, on the UI, and that's it. So in these types of applications where you really want to rely on the database, functionality is a better fit than JP. So Okay, so I love Java OQ. And speaking of domains, right? Treating your SQL database like, a, like for CRUD, create, rate, update, and delete, Pretty trivial for a trivial type, right? But SQL is it's 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 more complicated than COBOL. It can be more complicated than Java. It is an amazingly expressive, powerful, yeah. powerful language. It Extremely. is so powerful. But problem for beginners with SQL is it's a different way of thinking. Because if you're doing Java, you're programming in an imperative style. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing SQL, you have a declarative style. So you have to switch your mind. Oh sure. Or tell what you want, not to write what you do. So right. that's something different, and that's maybe sometimes students struggle with it. Totally, because it's a different mindset. To yeah, and and then you well, and then to make matters worse, you yeah. get people talking about PL procedural SQL, which is actually imperative, and that's not what you want. Yeah, and you also see people talking about like uh, algebra and you know uh, and set theory and all this. I'm like, no, no, don't. 
don't get lost in that. Just, yeah. just you know, focus on this very simple thing. I want to get this data with this table and this table. Mm. Give me a join. Yeah. Just like, but SQL is powerful. I love SQL and I love Java OQ because it it is what happens when you get somebody who is and clearly uh, a master at their skill, at their craft, which is in this case databases, right? I think uh, we can both agree. Lucas Edder is, yeah. you know, one of the one of the smart ones out there. Uh, and and when you get somebody that skilled was able to distill it into a approachable domain an approachable abstraction that makes the domain approachable yeah, right so exactly. i think the in the same way spring mbc spring security spring batch these are all distillations of a domain yeah. from people who've worked as experts in that domain you know exactly um so when did you get started with java oq um, or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, uh, I would say around, uh, I know it already a long time because Lucas said is also from Switzerland. I know him from the Java user group yeah. many years ago. And um, I started four years ago with a modernization project. Mm -hmm. I have a client, they have an ERP product. Oh, no, what? An, an ERP, ERP product. Okay. Yeah. And the ERP product or ERP system has a lot of database tables. So they have around, the around uh, 2,000 database wow. tables. And uh, all the business logic is in stored procedures. So you were talking about PLS SQL. Yeah. So they do that and they and we keep that. And we build uh, like a UI that is more or a lot of parts of the UI is generated with Vadin. They right. use Vadin for the front end. Too. We should talk about that that's, as well. That's why uh, I use Vadin also for three, four years. And Chook is perfect because uh, calling stored procedures or functions, Chook yeah. is very easy because Chook generates a Java class for your mm -hmm. stored procedure and it feels like you're calling a Java class. Yeah, but also if the SQL changes, the code will stop compiling. So you know you if you yeah. broke something. I exactly. love I love that. And the, the problem with SQL in Java or if you use uh, Spring Data JDBC, you use strings. And strings are probably not good. You have to concatenate them if you want to do some dynamic stuff. Now you've got like the, oh yeah, dynamic stuff. Now you've got multi-line strings, but still stringy, stringly typed programs are scary to me. You know, you're right. Yep. Said, Java, especially when you got thousands of tables, that's yep. just a nightmare. Yep. There's And it breaks. Oh. Suddenly it breaks. So suddenly, I mean, just even if you're thinking of like, I want to read, I want to write, I want to update each table without consideration of any other tables, that's still... Three queries times two thousand, you know, it adds up to six thousand strings in yeah, your program somewhere. Exactly, and that's not even like, oh, I need to do a join. I also need to do this. I need to do a transaction. There's, oh no 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 no. Uh, SQL is very complex. I think. Eh, it's fair. It's fair. It's fair, but uh, it's also very easy. So you can start small. Yep. And then you can add. So. But I often see that people load data to the program and then they iterate and do some filtering or whatever. But yeah. this can be done on the database. So. Uh, and it should. So yeah. uh, you have to learn. And also for SQL, there are a lot of uh, courses or tutorials that you can take. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have to learn. I mean, I'm also not a master in SQL. So you yeah. mentioned Lucas. Lucas knows yeah. much more SQL because I had some advanced SQL courses with Lucas for two days oh, wow. a week a while ago. And it's incredible what you can do. With well, he it. does fractals and crazy stuff like this. I'm like, yeah, this guy, yeah. This, he's thinking with SQL like a paintbrush, whereas the rest of us yeah. are seeing like, I want to get my data. Please give, it for, give me my data. Exactly. Give it. And you know, SQL databases evolved in the last few years. So you have JSON functionality, for example, oh, yeah. in the database. You can store JSON data, uh, JSON documents. Right. You can even query the JSON documents. You mean individual fields on in the document? Yeah, yeah the yeah. JSON path, for example. So one, it's one column in your row that has a json type and you can query the, the attributes in the json exactly. document in the 
column in the row. Exactly. Okay, good. Uh, let's see. Let's see what we got here. I agree, by the way. So the, this is the other thing. I think if, if you looked at like Hibernate, it kind of forces you by default to just treat everything like SQL 99. SQL today, it, it, like I said, most databases support some sort of JSON, some sort of XML, some sort of uh, XPath style queries, support yeah. you know, regular expressions and, and uh, arrays and all these other cool types that just weren't there when you think yeah. about everything is just a dumb receptacle for objects. You yeah. know? It's sure. not. It's a really amazing place to yeah. put data. Um, okay, let me see. Useful to understand, though, also to know what to do in your database and what to do on your application server. I don't know. Okay. What and your AS. Also, knowing basic joins, indexes, and execution paths get you yeah. far. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Do I think there's a difference between, I assume he's talking to us, do you think that there's a difference between reading a Java logic or PLC? Yeah, PLSQL is a procedural data, uh, programming language, so it's from OTA based. Yeah. And um, it's relatively easy to read just the language, but yeah. there are so many um, differences too. Yeah, that, that, I mean, in, in uh, Oracle Database, for example, you can create uh, your own types. Yeah. You can have like collections that's called tables of types. And then you you have something a similar programming model as you would if you do it with uh, Java, for example. Right. But it's not object oriented; it's procedural. And you have to. I mean, the tools for Java are pretty good, whereas you're not going to get a lot of really smart unless you're using like um, Toad or, or yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the, 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 the offering from JetBrains, yeah. Data Grid, that's yeah. not too bad. Very good. I like it. And even yeah. inside of IntelliJ, you can get a pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You connect data source. Uh, I have to mention that because I'm in a project that's called UTPLSQL. Okay. That's unit testing for PLSQL. Ooh. And it was invented by Steve Feuerstein. He was an Oracle guy, or he still is working for Oracle, I think. And I use that. And now I'm the maintainer of the main plugin for the so UTPLSQL. Cool. So UT... UTPLSQL. Okay. Hold on. UTPLSQL. That's so cool. Is this it? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know this existed. This is why I like talking to you. Every time I talk to you, you're doing something new and fun. So paste in that here. And what you have to do, you have to install UTPLSQL in your database because the unit tests run in the database. Right. And if you're using SQL Developer or DataGrip, there's integration. So if you run the test in DataGrip, it looks like you have run like JUnit tests. So it's the same window Ooh, that you can see. Wow, look at that. Oh, SQL developer. Do you use yeah. this more? Or do you use a no? I, I use DataGrip. Data yeah, because I use DataGrip because I not only work with uh, use Oracle database. And... I use Postgres or MariaDB as well. Which one? So Oracle to me, and again, I'm happy to be wrong here. Uh, to me, it just seems like that has every feature. Yeah, it is the most complete SQL database say, out yeah. there. Okay, but I don't use it very often. I know you can use it free. DB, uh, Oracle DB Express, whatever, yep. right? Nice offering, pretty good for most people, but also I just kind of like, mm. with Postgres, I've, I feel very comfortable. Mm, me too. Um, and I, send, I tend to use that. Is there a thing you would tell people, which one do you use if you have to pick one? I, I mean, I prefer 
Postgres as well. Okay. Because it's the closest that the SQL standard. Right. And it's very fast. Right. So, for example, if you use test contains for testing, yeah. I think PLS, uh, Postgres database is the fastest to start in a test contain. So, it just starts in a second or whatever. Yeah. And so, your tests run very fast. Uh, other databases like MariaDB or MySQL are slower in startup, and right. or, we don't talk about Oracle in polite content, polite company. It, it takes it takes a lot of time. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. I, I, what do you did you ever use Firebird? Uh, yes, years ago. Years yeah. ago, I that was a really good one too. I was very impressed with that. Uh, it's a shame I don't know what happened to it. What happened? It really felt like I loved it more than MySQL slash yeah. MariaDB. This is fifteen years ago that they had this giant a press book that mm -hmm. i bought and i remember thinking gosh this is a really it's a full database it does yeah. everything that i want you know and more I, it was more I powerful i didn't than... know what happened there i don't know mm -hmm. it was just one of those things by the way the good thing about postgres new databases like timescale db or yugabyte are using postgres compatibility oh, layer. Yeah. you can use a jdbc driver from postgres to access this postgres set. is the interface for new sql mm -hmm. right so uh but um you've got aurora db they have a postgres mm -hmm. implementation I should also mention, obviously, EMC and then VMware now. Uh, we have Greenplum, yep. the original, you know, new SQL Postgres implementation. That's been 15 years or whatever. Like, Greenplum is a data warehouse built on top of Postgres. Yep. It's phenomenal. You know, I mean, there's so many cool things out there built on top of Postgres because it's so um, pliable, you know. And then have you looked at a super base? No. Nope. Uh, it's, it's a uh, Postgres as a service, right, kind of company. And they have like this really great console. You just click, 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 and you can add all these wonderful plugins for Postgres because, you know, it's got a very good, you can do Python, you can do JavaScript, you yep. can do Java inside the database, you can do, uh, you know, uh, vector, uh, vector searches, you can do full text search, you can do uh, GIS, geospatial queries, yep. you yep. can do everything, right? It's a very pluggable database where yep. it's just not the case for these other ones, you know? Mm -hmm. I think exactly. Oracle probably still has more features. But only yep. because Oracle, the database company, yeah, they create it, yeah. right? Yeah. So eventually, that velocity that Postgres has, that trajectory, yeah, yeah. will eclipse what Oracle can do. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, yeah. Okay. So let me see. Same. So do you have any uh, good question from Software Dev here? I appreciate the great questions, by the way, friends. Uh, do you have any uh, any suggestions to understand complex SQL queries? I mean, three hundred plus five hundred, three hundred to five hundred plus SQL line. Yeah, I would I would start with alcohol. I don't have <laughs> I don't have a great answer. Don't drink, actually. That's yeah. a that's a joke. I would start Just a joke. I would start to to uh, try to modularize the SQL. Yeah, so because you can do that with SQL. So you don't yeah. have to write everything in one query because you can create uh, tables on the fly that you can then use later on uh, to create the data. So maybe if you can tear it apart and uh, make some modules and stuff that is reusable or just for that query, maybe it will become more Yeah, understandable. 300 lines is, I mean, if I see a 300 line method in Java, it makes me want to go to back to bed and take it, you know, yeah, wake up again and try again. Yeah. So 300 lines of anything is too much. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah. Um, okay, so yes, I, I Software Dev asks Simon, and the problem here, friend, is that there are two Simons uh, in the immediate vicinity, there's Simon Martinelli, and then there's Simon Verhoeven. So, so anyway, I think, yeah, I don't know, whatever. You're you're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I'm is, on GitHub. What's your Twitter? Uh, my Twitter is uh, Simas, also Simon Martinelli, just the yeah. first two letters. S M S I M A. Oh, okay. S I M A underscore C H C H for Switzerland. Yeah, of course. Um, 
oh, you, you see these queries in your job in the telecom sector. Okay, I mean, look, I get that there's a complex domain there. But for the for your own sanity, I hope somebody finds a way to reduce it to more more elemental parts. You know. Yep. Um, okay. So so talking about another really great example of taking a very complex domain and distilling it to the right size abstractions that regular people who aren't necessarily deep experts in that domain can thrive. Let's talk about Vaden. Yeah. I I think that's another one of those things where if you're a Java developer and you want to get something out the door like internet apps, what we used to call internet apps. Do you remember those? Yep. Like Visual Basic use cases, but on the exactly. web. Yeah. I think there is just nothing that's more productive yeah. than Vaden. Exactly. Uh, especially if you have Java skills. Yeah. How'd you get into it? Well, first of all, what is it? And um, oh, I guess he wants the other side. <laughs> Fine, whatever. You, if you want his help, he, you, can, you can enroll in his class. He's great. Uh, um, oh, Saizu, this is a, a, there's no way to answer this, but yes, yes. <laughs> It's, a, it's an impossible question that we can't possibly realistically uh, approach. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, Uber moved away from it, though. Yep. They moved away from Postgres to uh, MySQL or something. Mm -hmm. So there are some people that would say no. Yeah. It but depends for, what we are doing with the database. Of course. If yeah. you're Google, yeah, probably not. If yeah. you're, you know, whatever, most apps, I think Postgres is a good place to start. I'm happy if I'm wrong. You know, sometimes thing, things will change. Um, okay, so what about Vaden? How'd you get into it? Uh, I first got in contact a few years ago, but I yeah. didn't use it. I had no use case for it. And with this modernization project, we used Vaden because we were Java developers and Vaden yeah. is, uh, it feels like uh, Swing or AWT in the right. old days. And you just can add a text field and then add a button and click listener. So it feels like really UI programming. Yeah. And uh, the point is, Vadin has a completely different runtime model. So it's a single page application, right. in fact, and it communicates from the client with the server, but uh, you don't have to do that. Yeah, you don't have to. And it's to me, it feels like sorcery. Yeah. I, I've used GWT. Yeah. That made sense, yep. kind of, because it's very clearly spelled out that you're going to have to do some serialization. Yep. Um, but now this Vadin stuff is just so good, so good. And it's a Spring app, and it turns yep. into a native image now, too. Exactly. Oh. And the cool thing is it has a rich component model. Yep. So you have, huge. for example, a grid with lazy loading, filtering, sorting, yeah. already in place. You have data binding that uses bin validation right. as well. So you can use the same validation on your UI like you do in business logic, for example. Yep. So that's quite a, a good thing. And you're very fast. Very fast. Yep. Okay. I am glad I got to talk to you. I think the world just came out of the... Uh... Everybody here in the conference just came out of their, their sessions. So my friend, we're gonna call it good. Thank you. you know, I know there's gonna be people wanting to come up and talk to you, Professor Martinelli here. <laughs> um, you can you can you can and find you can and should find Professor Martinelli here on the uh, on the internet, on on Twitter. Follow him now, uh, and, and you know, uh, you, you won't be sorry. I learned a lot from you. I really do. I'm so glad that we're part of the same community. It's been many years that I've been bumping into you in random yeah. places, including that time I was in, was it Bern, I guess? Yeah, Switzerland. Mm -hmm. First time. That was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much for I having me. Appreciate you, my friend. Bye, everybody. Bye.
A Beautiful Podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm Josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.